Thank you, guys. The scripture reading today will be Luke 2, 46 through 49. After three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When the parents saw him, They were astonished, and his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Amen. God bless his word this morning. I really like coming up here and just getting right to it, but this morning I'm going to make three short announcements, and then I'm going to get right to it. The first is I want to thank the stewards for working so hard and so fast for protecting us by putting down the rails over there and then those little um, flaps that should be locked. I want to thank them for doing all that hard work and getting that together. Um, We don't want nobody to fall or be hurt, so thank you guys for that. And also putting the signs out front. I've been hearing this has been a problem for a while. And truthfully, as a believer, that's kind of hard to do, isn't it? You want to win the lost man. You presume they're lost by, you you know, you think they don't know Jesus Christ. But you don't want to infringe upon them. And, well, this is your property, so you're not infringing on anybody. And putting the signs up there was a good step. And so thank you guys for working so hard in doing that. Uh, Next week is going to be a very, very busy Sunday. It's Communion Sunday, a very good service. And then after that, there's going to be discussion and voting on the future of the West Alexandria Church of the Brethren. So in that specific service, um, pray extra hard for the meeting uh, and the discussion and and the way that God wants us to go and the way you feel God wants us to go in the future direction of the church. Then I always love Holy Week. Holy Week would be Palm Sunday going up through Easter Sunday. We'll be offering a Monday, Thursday service on April 6th. That's a Thursday at 7 p.m. And it will be what's called the Love Feast. We'll have a little service up here. We'll go downstairs and we won't do it in a traditional way. We'll have the dinner first, communion after that, and then we'll have foot washing at the end. That's not traditionally the way it's done, but... This is the way we're going to do it. And I have a reason for doing it that way. And that will be, um, I'll explain that on Thursday night. So uh, those who want to participate in that, um, we will offer that on Monday, Thursday. So it's going to be a very, very busy Easter week. Rodney Dangerfield, an old comedian I used to watch growing up, became quite famous for his fabulous saying, No respect at all, I tell you. I get no respect at all. And if you never listened to this dude, he was always putting it out there how he's disrespected in every phase of his life. This little phrase opened up a lot of doors for old Rodney Dangerfield. I mean, he came on television on the Tonight Show and 
uh, traveled all over the place telling his little jokes and doing what he was doing. And it also provided him the opportunity to make an income on something that he loved to do. But for the average person, getting no respect at all does just the opposite. People like this are often never picked for a new position or job. Their views are never taken seriously, causing their opinions to fall on deaf ears. More doors are shut than open for them, and they certainly get fewer opportunities to grow in their career fields, which hampers their ability to earn more money. I don't know if you've been put in that situation, but depending on your job, or maybe in your family relationship, you raise your hand to give your opinion, and uh, you either get talked over or next subject, please. And that's basically no respect for your view on the way you think things should be going. Typically, we hear this. To get respect, you must earn it. You heard that. You want to be respected, you better earn it. Or I like this one. To get respect, you must give it. We hear these two phrases. If you want the respect, you better earn it. And if you want respect, you better give it. Joseph, the husband of Mary, earned and gave respect, yet he got no respect at all. Seemingly, seems to be that he did earn and gave respect. The Bible says that Joseph was a just man, that he feared God, that he followed the law of God, followed the ways of God, and followed the commands of God. He did not want anything bad to happen to Mary, so he asked to end the relationship privately, keeping her from publicly being accused of adultery. He was in the lineage of King David. He was a carpenter. He was respected in his community. But he was also disrespected. There are not many facts recorded about Joseph in the four Gospels. He's mentioned only with respect to the events surrounding Jesus' birth, his flight to Egypt, and the return to Galilee. He was the husband of Mary, but not the biological father of Jesus. There are many indications in Scripture that Joseph would never see Jesus' public ministry. There was a guy named Simeon who spoke to Joseph and Mary in the Gospel of Luke about their newborn son. He predicted that a sword would pierce Mary's soul concerning Jesus, but Simeon said nothing about Joseph. This seems to imply that Joseph would not be around to see Jesus rejected and crucified by the people whom he came to say, save. Now that's weird. We only talk about Joseph at Christmas time, and then we don't even really mention him. It's all about Mary. Nobody looks at the life of Joseph of what he did to help mankind out. In our passage this morning, in my opinion, he was supremely disrespected. Joseph and Mary, they had lost Jesus, who was in the temple listening and asking questions of the leaders on their way home from the Passover celebration. Now, the children of Israel was required to go to Jerusalem three times a year for what we would call today a church service. One of them was the Feast of Passover. So they go to the Feast of Passover. They offer the sacrifice they needed to make for the sin. The priests offered the sacrifice for the sin of all men and the children of Israel. So they're on their way home. Now, I just can't see how you, I guess you leave your kid in the car, though, don't you? You know, you go into the store sometimes, or I accidentally lost Andrew once at a flea market. I panicked. I said, how do you lose your little kid, man? We're running around. But, hey, you lose the kid. So these two lose the king of kings and lord of lords. They lose him, and they have to go find him. They go back, and they, and they say, man, what's going on? So they go back, and they see Jesus, and they find Jesus, And first of all, he's disrespected because Mary does the talking on Joseph's behalf. 
Joseph didn't say, what are you doing and where are you going? No, Mary says to Jesus, don't you realize your father and I are very worried about you? She spoke on behalf of the family, which is something Joseph should have done, but he didn't. It was left up to Mary, disrespected. Jesus said he was about his father's business. God was his father, not Joseph. Now, we realize Joseph wasn't his biological father, but my goodness, you're not my dad. You're not my father. Well, I'm the one working. I'm the one providing the food. I'm the one that gives you a house. I'm the one that takes you to the temple. How could you disrespect me like that? But Joseph was not the father of Jesus. Joseph lost his family over the lordship of Christ. And if you read in the Gospels, them dudes were fighting all the time. His stepbrothers and all that. Is he the Christ? Is he the Messiah? What's he doing in our family? We think he's just insane and crazy. We got to get rid of his guy. That really caused a lot of friction in the family, this lordship of Christ. Joseph lost his job over the lordship of Christ. They called him just a carpenter's son. Nobody would want to do business with a man who marries a woman that was pregnant and then have the audacity to say, well, you know, I really didn't help make the baby. Someone else did. Well, you think that guy was crazy. Well, you wouldn't want to go do business with that guy. So he loses his job over the lordship of Christ. He lost his status in community over his relationship with Mary. Joseph lost his pride and, in some sense, manhood for getting married to Mary. Joseph, forgotten by many, nevertheless obeyed God till the end and, through his obedience, helped bring salvation to mankind. What can we learn from Joseph this morning? First, we can learn to be just. Joseph followed the law of God, which made him just. He read the commandments of God. He studied the ways of God. He took his people to the service. He took them to the temple and they were required to go. He did what God asked him to do in the law. That's what it means to be just. He followed the law of God. He obeyed the voice of God when spoken to, even though he might not have understood what was going on. It's okay for you to marry Mary, Joseph, but I didn't get her pregnant. It's okay for you to marry her. What is happening here, Joseph, is not your plan, it's not your way, it's not your will, it's my will. And I'm asking you, Joseph, to trust me, put your life in my hands, and let me watch over you, let me protect you, and let me guide you. Would you listen to me, Joseph? Now, I'm sure he didn't understand, I'm sure he wrestled with God, but in the end he said, you know what, I'm going to put my life in your hands. I don't understand what's going on. What's happening? But you're telling me to marry her. This is what I'm going to do for your glory. We must be the same way. Getting into the word of God and allowing God's word to guide our lives. We must know and understand and prove his word. And see what his word says. How it leads us. How it guides us. And how it directs us. His word will always speak to our hearts. It is his word that watches over us and protects us. Don't go your own way and do your own way. Get in that word and follow that word. We must obey him, especially when we don't understand his guidance. We must be open to God's guidance and his direction. Has it ever happened to you in your own spiritual life? Something happened to you you didn't understand? You weren't sure you could follow, but you got in that word. 
Now, I'm not one for just opening up the Bible and say, this is the way something. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, I need to understand what you're doing in my life. And you're just reading your daily devotions or you're reading a word. And that word pops out to you. And you say, yes, this is what I'm supposed to do. I really thought when I was in Germany, I was going to be an evangelist. I mean, who wouldn't want to go preach to the people, tell them how miserable and rotten they are, and just leave and let the pastor deal with the mess afterwards? That's every preacher's dream. Nobody wants to stay back for all the hassle and all the trouble. But I got put in a real bad situation where I was an interim pastor. And I looked at the people and I said, I can't lead your people. I'm dumb. I don't know your word. I don't know your heart. And so then I debated. I'm debating. And I finally said, Amy, I think we're supposed to go back to Bible college. And it, it wasn't that God says, Brian Jevedon, go back to Bible college because you're an idiot and don't know my word. He didn't say that. He, it, it, Matthew spoke to me so hard in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. It says, put him first. Trust in him. Follow him. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, where you're going to live, and what you're going to do. But fully trust and follow him. That, that's brought all the questions between me and Amy. Uh, where are we going to live? Where, what are we going to eat? Where are we going to drink? All the questions. I don't know. I just know I was put in front of the people of God. I don't understand his word. His people are hurting. They want to grow in him. They want to learn from him. They want to understand him. I don't even understand him. How can I speak to something I don't understand? So we went back to Bible college, and he worked all that out. We just obeyed him, and we were open to his guidance. It wasn't fun. It wasn't easy, but we done what he asked us to do in the same way. We must be in that word. We must let that word direct us. And when it speaks to our heart, we must act on his word and do it whether we understand it or not. Secondly, we must be protective of others. Joseph protected Mary throughout the marriage. You don't think he stood up for her, watched over her and guided her when people made fun of her? laughed at her, told her she was doing the wrong thing. What kind of woman are you? Don't you think he stood up for her and said, that's my wife. That's who God gave me to be with, man. Don't you talk about my wife like that. We are following God like he asked us to do, and I will protect my wife at all costs. She is important to me because God gave her to me. Joseph protected Jesus. He made sure Jesus grew up following God's commands. Surely he taught Jesus the law. He took him to temple three times a year because that was commandment. He could have just stayed home. Sure, I'm not your father. Jesus could have put that in his face all the time. You don't own me. I don't belong to you. But Joseph was obedient to God by teaching Jesus the ways of God. Now, I guarantee you one thing. If I would ever told my mom or dad, you're not my mom, you're not my dad, and I don't have to listen to you, it'd be like Jesus saying, turn the other cheek, because it'd fly this way, and not turn the other one, and it'd fly that way. Then they got done that, they go find the willow's tree. Anybody know what the willow switch is? It was the great switch that wrapped around your leg. And all the smart ones, we picked the one this long. Now, don't do that. Go get that other one. But Joseph stood right there for his son, led him, guided him, and did what God asked him to do. He protected his family. All the brothers that was in the family. He worked hard for them. He watched over them. He protected them. I would imagine he had a huge weight in his life. 
having the King of kings and Lord of lords, his son, to teach him the ways of God, to follow God, and to serve God, and then to listen to all the baloney he had to receive throughout his marriage to Mary. He had a huge weight on him, but he still protected his family. You and I, we must protect those in our families, our kids. I know we all raised our kids in church, probably read them devotions at night. We did things for them, and we said, at a certain time, you're going to make your own decisions. And most of the kids, woof, there they go. You've kept me under your regime for all these years. I'm out of here, Dad. And they go, but you know what? Eventually, they call that number. Hey, Dad, uh, can I get a little bit of wisdom or guidance on that? Yes, sir. You can repent. Ask God to help you. And let Christ be your Lord. Let him be your light. And he'll direct you through. We must protect our families. Kids, grandkids, all those that are around us, we got to protect them. We do that through prayer, reading the Bible, and all those things help protect our families. We must protect those people in this church, people in our congregation. When you're hurting, I should be hurting. When you're happy, I should be, I should be happy. If you see me fall and stumble, grab me by the arm. Say, what are you doing? You shouldn't be acting like that. You won't bother me a bit to put me in check in my belief in my Christianity. Won't bother me one bit. That's what we're supposed to do for one another. Not to put us in check in a bad way, but say, hey, man, you really don't want to go down this road. This is a bad road you're about to go down. Now, the person has the right to go down that road. You can't do nothing about it. But we have to protect one another in the house of God. We must protect those Christ has given us to teach and to lead. When I'm up here preaching, when I'm teaching Sunday school, on Wednesday night when I'm doing the youth over there, I, I want to read and understand and put a lot of time and effort into what I'm studying. When you're doing nursery, when you're doing children's church, when you're doing Sunday school, if you're a leader and a teacher, give it all you got. When you're the worship leader, give it all you got. When you do the money, give it all you got. When you're back there doing the sound system, give it all you got. When you play the piano, give it all you got. Whatever you do for the glory of God, give it all you got because you are a leader and you are a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ and you represent this church. You do. We represent this church. Now, I, I got in trouble a few weeks ago because I kind of went off on the plant manager. I come home and I said, yeah, Amy, I'll let him have it. She said, uh, you know, you're a pastor now. I just turned around and went that way. <laughs> Felt guilty the whole week, right? Because I'm a leader. And, you know, you're a leader. You're a guide. So we have to put ourselves in check. I truly believe this is why people don't come to church, because they see the Christian believer not living what they say they're living. I honestly believe that down the bottom of my heart. We have no conviction about who we really are. Now, she was right to do that. I wish she wouldn't have done it, but, you know, I, everywhere I've been, Amy's my great protector. She watches over me. She was at the play the other night. When she left me, I was scared to death because I don't like going through the lines. But don't worry about my husband. He'll probably say something dumb. How are you doing tonight? How are you doing tonight? I didn't say a word. But we are leaders and we are directors. No matter where we're at in this church, you are in some form a leader. And you're a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must protect those around us that Christ has given us. Number three, we must become selfless. Not once in the scriptures did we see Joseph thinking about himself. Not once. 
Instead, he was always putting Mary and Jesus ahead of him and always looking out for their well-being. He did what God asked him to do. He protected Mary in the sense that if he would have said she committed adultery, she would have been brought out in public and been beaten and in stone, and he didn't want that to happen to her. He protected her and watched over her. He put her interests above his own. We never, we must never be too hasty to think about ourselves. That's the good old American way. Sometimes I think we need to get that out of us because we're believers in Christ. It's not ourselves, man. Lent is not about ourselves. It's about somebody else. That's what Christ does. What I've been saying this whole time, what he done for us, what he done on the cross. Never think about ourselves. Instead, we must be willing to put the needs of others before our own. I remember one time when I was in um, Korea, I played basketball. We played all over Korea. And um, th- this guy I was trying to win to the Lord. He come and he, he, you know, the pastor talked to him. He got saved, right? Well, he come and knocked on my door at 3 o'clock in the morning to go running. I, I, I said, Sergeant, no. No. I'm not getting up at 3 and running. I didn't do it. I went back. I was talking to the pastor. He said, well, how come you didn't get out and run with him? He asked you to go with him a mile. He should have ran too. I said, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. But he asked me to go. Maybe he just wanted the fellowship or talk. I was looking about me and why I wasn't getting no sleep, but he's a new believer in Christ. Maybe he wanted to talk on the run or something. But I should have availed myself to him and said, listen, I'm looking out for your well-being. I don't want to do it. I'll probably be asleep while I'm doing it. But if this is what you need me to do for you to grow in Christ, then I'm willing to do it. We must always put somebody else's need above our own. Joseph's life reminds us that God can use the simplest of persons to fulfill his purpose. Although this great man of God was silent throughout the small portion of his life mentioned in the scriptures, his actions were heroic. Aren't you glad God can use us? I mean, in the big scheme of things, we're nothing, we're nobody. But he come in and he saves our soul, he touches our lives, and he brings somebody along that's been through something like we've been through. That's normally the way it works in our Christian life. We go through something bad, we go through something hard, and here comes somebody going through the exact same thing that we're going through, and we say, use me for your glory. And he does. It's so good that God can use us for him to be glorified. Through Joseph, God in part brought salvation to mankind. I'm not saying he brought salvation. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying God used him in a way that everyone could be saved. And because of that... And by Joseph, everyone here in this congregation and those joining in Facebook is very blessed of God. I didn't really want to say Facebook because I'm not a Facebook fan. I I said in my sermon to myself yesterday, don't say Facebook, but I did it anyway. (laughs) Um, But you're blessed of God. You are. You're blessed of God. You're probably struggling. You might be sore this morning. You might be sick a little bit. Things might not be going right as you see things going right. But you and I, we are blessed. How are you and I blessed this morning, you might ask? Supremely, salvation. Christ Jesus saved your soul. He changed your life. He came into your heart and he made you new. He changed you, man. He made you. He saved your soul. How much more blessed can you be than that? 
No matter what happens to me in life, the fact that he came in and says, I love you, I'm going to save you, and I'm going to change you, makes me a blessed person. Because we're saved, we have peace with God. A lot of people like to have peace with one another. That's not what he's talking about. You have peace with God. Our sin separated us from God, and God said, I'm going to send my son, and now when I send my son, when you accept him, when you serve him, when you follow him, you now have peace with me. I'm sure we wrestle with God, we fight with God, but in the end, don't we have a quiet heart? Because we know we have peace with him, everything is going to be all right. And because we have this peace with God, our burdens are lifted. Now, I know we're supposed to have a burden in prayer. We're supposed to have a burden for the lost. But my burden is lifted. Everything I went through in life, everything that we struggle with in life, they're just all lifted at Calvary. He just takes them all and he says, let me take this for you. I'm not going to take you out of your circumstance, but I'm going to take the hurt and the pain and I'm going to work it for my glory. And because our burdens are lifted, we have a free heart. We're free when we come to worship service. We're free when we go to work. All of a sudden, our minds and our heart thinks different. We see things from a kingdom perspective, not just naturally what's going on around us, but what God has done in our lives and that we have to work through it. Our hearts are now free. And most importantly, we have the privilege of being called a child of God. We are his children. He watches over us. He protects us. He leads us. He guides us. We belong to him. And there's just a little symbol of the good shepherd right there. Look what he's doing. He holds that little sheep close to his heart. He kind of guides the one there. And then he leads the sheep. Our Christ, our God, our king, he is the great shepherd. And he does all this for you and me. That's how you and I are blessed this morning. He will lift it. He will take it. And he will carry it. All this happens. All because one man gave of himself to follow the will of God for his life. Joseph could have said no and everything been turned upside down. But he said, here am I, Lord. Send me. Use me. Because he was obedient, you and I are blessed. So on this fourth Sunday of Lent, West Alexandria Church of the Brethren, I want to ask us a question. Are we willing to walk the road of Joseph this morning for the glory of God that someone else might be welcomed into the kingdom? Are we willing to sacrifice like that? Heavenly Father, on this fourth Sunday of Lent, I want to thank you for all the Bible verses we've read and all the sacrifices that was made that we might have salvation. And I thank you for the story of Joseph this morning, one who is talked about very few at all, but sacrificed so much for the kingdom of God that his people might know Jesus Christ so that people throughout the centuries might know Jesus Christ. And even if his life was shortened, he didn't see the full effect of what he'd done. We are so thankful. I am thankful that one person decided you was more important than anything. And because that one person was so obedient to you, Jesus Christ came, he died, and he rose again. And I pray this morning, Lord, if there is anyone here whose heart is hurting, maybe they feel like their burden isn't lifted or their heart's not free, Lord, 
or they're just really struggling in their life. Lord, I just pray right now the Holy Spirit of the living God through the preached word this morning would touch their hearts, heal their hearts and mend their hearts and help them to know, Lord, that you're watching over them. You're the good shepherd. You take care of us, your sheep. Now, we ask you to be with us this day and this week, Lord, and watch over us and protect us as we serve and follow you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.